0: Hello and welcome to Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. Thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Borthwick, Editor of Intellectual Capital at Bailey Gifford. Hopes of a V-shaped recovery in Europe have shifted to fears of a double-dip recession due to the second wave of COVID-19. This is bad news for most retailers. Luxury goods stores in Milan and Madrid depend on wealthy shoppers from China and the Middle East. And the second wave of lockdowns in France and Ireland has led to the closure of all non-essential shops. Consumer habits have changed, some say irreversibly. So how have retailers responded? I'm joined by Moritz Sitter, who is joint manager of the Bailey Gifford European Growth Trust and the European Fund. But before we start the podcast, some important information. Please remember that as with all investments, your capital is at risk and your income is not guaranteed. And this podcast has been recorded during COVID-19. So Moritz and I are both at home as opposed to in the usual Edinburgh studio. Moritz, how has consumer behaviour changed with COVID-19?
1: It's been a massive shock to the system in many ways. And a lot of people had to adjust their habits in, in many walks, of many areas of life. And one of them is certainly how people shop, how people consume things. And um, we do own a number of, of retail companies, Inditex for instance which is a Spanish company that owns the Zara brand or the Massimo Dutti brand Zalando which is an online fashion retailer the leading online fashion retailer in Europe or Adidas which is a global sports brand and it's interesting to see how these companies have have reacted very differently to this external shock of of massive proportions and how have they responded <laughs> Of course. Um, Well, I think it's it's um, it's worth sort of separating them into various different categories. On the one hand, you have businesses like Inditex who have these stores, let's say, let's say Zara and Massimo Dutti all throughout the world. Um, So they have a very strong footprint, retail footprint, and that had to be shut down. I mean, at the at the very peak of the of the first lockdown in April. Uh, I think their sales were down something like 70%, over 70% year on year. So that was a huge shock to their system uh, because a lot of their retail stores were simply had to be closed. Um, That was by government decree. And um, those businesses or Inditech specifically has reacted quite well to this because they have always pursued an omni-channel approach, meaning that they didn't just rely on their retail stores to Um, make sales, but they also have built over the years a really strong e-commerce business, which pre-pandemic was about, let's say, 10-15% of sales. That should now be substantially higher. And I think um, how they have managed that is really quite admirable and how quickly they were able to adjust to this new reality. That's the sort of one category that we can look at. The second category that we can look at are businesses like Zalando, the leading online fashion retailer in Europe. They have been in a, in a perfect spot to benefit from the closure of brick and mortar and from the shift of consumer habits towards e-commerce shopping. And uh, so therefore they have seen actually their, their sales and their gross merchandise volumes on their platform expand quite dramatically and, and grow uh, actually accelerate in growth to upwards of, you know, 30%. And I think it, it's important however to to remember that just because a business is in a good position doesn't mean it necessarily takes advantage of that and i think zalando what has really stood out is just how well they have executed on that and how much they have been able to grasp the opportunity that had that they have been given um an interesting example there is that they um they had shifted before the pandemic already towards a model where they have to, where they turned from an online department store that takes inventory and 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 um, takes control of a lot of the steps in the supply chain towards a uh, towards more of a platform model where it offers services like warehousing distribution marketing to uh suppliers uh, and that was um, that was a good starting point but they have really accelerated that shift towards that platform business model by signing up a lot of brick and mortar retailers and and traditional suppliers so to speak. Of clothes, of fashion, onto their platform, and therefore have enhanced the value that they create for their customers by enhancing selection. Um, and at the same time, they have been able to really help a lot of these businesses stay afloat, stay alive, by offering a marketplace with um, millions, of, where which attracts millions and millions of customers, and where people can, or where businesses can sell their goods um, to these to this huge uh, group of customers.
0: And what about at the the luxury end? I'm thinking here maybe of Caring and L'Oréal. Have consumers remained loyal to the high
1: fashion brands? Yes. So what we're seeing there is 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 actually a similar shift to the mass market. In that, uh, if you take a business like Caring, uh, which is the French holding company which controls. Brands or owns brands like Gucci, like Alexander McQueen, like Bottega Veneta. These are again businesses that that really rely pre-pandemic relied a lot on their on their retail footprint because those were you, when you go in and you buy a, a Gucci. Uh, suit, for instance, you don't you, you go there for the experience. You go there for the way you're being treated. You go there for browsing. Um, you go for the for the full package. You don't just buy. You don't just want to enter something into a search bar and buy it um, online necessarily. But I think what was again interesting is that these businesses have managed quite well the transition towards online as they have seen their retail footprint uh, close down for a, for an extended period of time, really um and what's interesting there is that these businesses have really embraced online in many cases and caring specifically has embraced it not just as a simply as a as a distribution channel as a sales channel but much more as an opportunity really to engage with customers to engage with potential customers and existing customers um through channels be it Instagram be it um, you know their own websites and so on, and offering offering interesting experiences, offering perhaps um special special editions and so on so I think there 's a lot been going on i mean it 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 really the the amount of innovation that is taking place there or the amount of experimentation perhaps that is taking place there is really quite staggering um a, a company which um, another company that we don 't own in the european fund is is Burberry which is um, which, of course, many people know as the UK luxury business. Uh, they've actually held their fashion show on Twitch, which is a video streaming platform for for video gamers. And you told me that that was that was something that would come out of um, out of the, of the out of this pandemic. I, I would have not believed you. But um, there's really a lot of experimentation going on where people really have to embrace um, online not just as a sales channel, but as a channel to really engage with consumers and it's that sort of old adage of necessity is the mother of invention
0: I think that point about innovation is really interesting a lot of brands are moving further and further away from traditional advertising actually I I wanted just to play a short clip by way of example of that
1: look sport might not be the answer right now but it teaches us this that impossible challenges must be faced and overcome And the reward is joy.
0: And top marks if you recognise the voiceover artist there. That was Sia Khaleesi, who made history... As the first black player to be appointed test captain of the south african rugby team and this clip was taken from a one minute youtube film and what's interesting about this is it's a campaign by adidas ready for sport that includes a whole series of other adverts this one alone has had over 45 million views and moritz we're seeing more and more brands move away from traditional
1: marketing towards youtube instagram twitch and other platforms absolutely that's exactly the case and again, it's not just about selling. It's about engaging consumers. Um, it's about engaging the populations really of the markets that they're in on YouTube, on Instagram, um, and on many other platforms. And I think um, you know TikTok has been one one platform or one social media platform that has really seen a massive ascent. Uh, during this pandemic in the West. And I think um, I I wouldn't be surprised if this became another important platform, another really important platform to engage consumers and to create that connection with consumers directly. Uh, And I think that also, uh, what's also quite interesting is that the likes of Adidas have not just grown um, together with um, fashion platform, or or fashion retailer platforms like Zalando uh, online, but they've also grown by going directly to consumers. Uh, and that's really quite fascinating because that that um, unlocks quite a lot of opportunities for them. Um, simply on the customer engagement side, it means that you build a directly a direct relationship with the consumer. And in many ways, I think the opportunity there is that they could build a much deeper relationship with the consumer online directly than they could with their own brick and mortar stores, um, because you're on on consumers' smartphones. You you're an app. You you can. Uh, You can engage with through notifications. You can come up with special deals and so on. And we've seen that already happening on on Adidas. So they have a closer relationship with the consumer. They get more information. They learn more about the consumer, what they like, what they don't like. And certainly some of the data that we've seen come out of this um, sort of direct and consumer online business of Adidas, of Nike and so on, is that the consumers that they engage with there are really... Even more brand conscious, they're they're willing to spend more. They're not interested in discounts. They're not interested in spe- in special cheap deals. They're really interested in special editions of products and so on. So it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating way to engage with consumers and to and to create a sales channel that is really quite valuable for these businesses.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine it's it's hugely valuable because it's a younger demographic as well, and these are potentially consumers for decades to come.
1: Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's a big opportunity. If you think, if you use the sort of framework of, of the lifetime value of a customer, when you can acquire them. At an early age, and then you can keep them for a long period of time by really creating a strong relationship with them. That could be enormously valuable. And I think, let's say, from a merely financial point of view, even in in the sort of medium medium term, it's quite attractive to have a direct to consumer business because you cut out the middleman, and therefore this should lead to higher margins. And, and the model is is in many ways quite straightforward. You really need your own warehouses and. That's about it. You're, if you have your app, your warehouses, and your production aligned, then then you're pretty much off to the races. And I think that's something that that will see these companies, be it an Adidas or a Nike, um, pursue much more much more aggressively because it is such a big opportunity.
0: And since the start of COVID-19, you've spent a matter of months in Edinburgh and also a matter of months in Munich. Has that changed your perception? Are you seeing different
1: things from both locations? That's a good question. I think I think in, in many ways it's actually, it's actually remarkably similar. What's interesting in, in, in Germany is that um my impression is that online penetration is still lagging compared to, let's say, the UK. Um and I think that's changing now. I think there's because of this lockdown, which was also quite strict in, in Germany with a lot of shops closed for a very long time, that has really changed. And what's interesting is that it hasn't just affected, let's say, the younger demographic, but it's also affected the generation of my parents who are now much more comfortable um shopping online and for Germans is a big thing sharing their credit card information online, because you're always distrustful of giving away too much information. So I think that's something that has been changing and, and, and and again, will continue to persist. And, and I don't think that will go away necessarily um, because I think once these habits are formed, people are, people are realizing that it it is really quite convenient to have things delivered to your house, uh, even if you're allowed to go outside. And I, I think there's, uh, what 's exciting is that there 's still a longer way to run in many ways in, 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 in a in in a uh, in a market like germany than in other markets and what about your consumer behavior? How has that changed
0: during the crisis
1: i I have to admit I had been fairly um uh, fairly <laughs> convinced of e-commerce already on a private on a private level before the pandemic. So, in in that way, it's it's um, the one big change has not been that I all of a sudden discovered this thing called Amazon. Um, uh, if anything, I I notice I spent more on it every year and have been for years. But um, it's 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 actually what I noticed or what what we've been doing as a household more is the idea of shopping online um, locally more. And it's been fascinating to see, for instance, uh, the local fishmonger here, they, they've gone online, they offer deliveries and so on, and, and we've been enthusiastic supporters. And, and I've, been, I've been loving my salmon fish cakes. So uh, I really can't complain. It's been a great outcome. But um, I think that's, been, that's also been very encouraging to see these local businesses able to, to really adapt very quickly and embrace this really tough tough situation for them extremely tough situation and and in many cases again thrive or at least mitigate some of the effects of of the lockdowns it's all about innovation exactly (laughs) that's exactly it well let's end the podcast there maritz
0: thank you so much for joining us and i hope you'll join us in the podcast again soon thank you so much malcolm it was a pleasure to talk to you you can find our podcast short briefings on long-term thinking BaileyGifford.com forward slash podcasts and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify and TuneIn. And if you enjoyed it, please spread the word. In our next podcast, we'll be exploring why we should be more optimistic about the future. Every generation underestimates its ability to adapt and find new recipes and ideas. Tune in to find out why we should put more faith in our ability to innovate. And many thanks to Lord of the Isles for the music. The track we've used is called Horizon Effect, which was released on Permanent Vacation. And if you're listening at home, stay well, and we look forward to bringing you more insights in our next podcast.